0: You're listening to DraftKings Network.
1: Welcome everybody to Mystery Crate. I'm Mike Ryan, the executive producer of the Dan Labattard Show with Sue Gatz. If you're an avid subscriber to our show, you kind of know what this podcast is all about here. This is for the diehards. And it requires you to be a diehard fan because every week the Mystery Crate is something different. Last week, it was a bit of a repurposed episode with some of our greatest hits in regards to Tim Jerns. This week, it's a very special Mystery Crate because it's always special when Dan lends his voice to this specific property. This is an AMA. AMAs typically happen on Reddit, but I decided to actually use the content for ourselves here. Two birds, one stone. That's what we're doing here on the Mystery Crate. Dan Lebitard has not given an interview since leaving ESPN and this podcast will be his first interview, and he'll be answering questions from you. The Levitard Show listening audience, the most ardent supporters find themselves on the Reddit page. Mark from Reddit is no longer from Reddit. We'll get into that. He'll give his explanation as to why he is no longer moderating the Reddit. But either way, Mark has done these in the past, and he is For better or worse, a representation of our fan base on Reddit. He posted an AMA for Dan, collected all the top questions from our audience, and asked Dan all those questions here in this episode of Mystery Crate. Very exciting. I kept some fun organic banter there on the front end so you can get some backstory as to why he may no longer be Mark from Reddit.
2: Oh my gosh. Folks to uh the debate over the uh tweet
1: you had to make yourself the story
2: it's so dorky and absurd i i can't even get over it like i my weekend was filled with people calling me racist i hate sudanese people i'm like what am i doing in my life that people are yelling at me about my twitter I,
0: well thank you for the work that you've done until now <laughs> we appreciate the care that you take with uh with an un, i mean, you realize now that you're basically trying to govern a an internet comment section, and good good luck with being the president well, of that.
2: Uh, of that, I'm, I'm not anymore. I resigned. I gave it up. I'm done. You're no longer moderating. I created it. I the only one who could remove. Me was myself, and I'm like, I'll let you guys handle it. I'll just do the Twitter thing, which I enjoy anyways. I'll just post clips, and I, I let Anthony, so the flames,
0: who does. The flames climb a little high to your nuts, and that's it. You bail. like You, you created this entire community that Twitter. loves that loves to drag us.
1: I'm so sorry that the Reddit was mean to you, Mark. So mean, in <laughs> fact, you decided to, to uh, resign. <laughs> it's really unfortunate that this community <laughs> didn't have nice things to say about you. So you don't know what
2: either. it's like, Mike. You don't know what it's you like when people come shit, after you at that Mike. place. You don't know anything. You don't know what it's like. They're, they're animals, these people. The third time someone called me racist, I said, I think I'll be done now. That's fine.
0: So really, three times is what did it to you. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: yeah. Was, it was the third time, really? which is, I think, the only time my entire life. That, that's been uh
1: you know on your message board every time i say cam newton is bad i'm called a racist that's right mike
0: has been accused of being mega mike we've arrived in a bad place when me and mike aren't woke enough
1: <laughs> so we are these i wow. mean i am friends with will kane was was i sent him a strongly worded text
2: yeah i i honestly it's it's so it's just so dumb and dorky that it it's out of control. So.
1: And it, it uh, is on their backs that we've <laughs> right. we into we're, piracy. We have sailed
0: into piracy, and now I am doing the first AMA to feed the monster.
1: <laughs> Let me set this up for the audience. I want to keep some of that organic banter if it suits all parties. All right, everybody, let's have a formal start to this. If you listen to Mystery Crate throughout its time during this pandemic, I actually did an AMA with Mark. Mark, I'm going to protect you and not say your last name because you're under a lot of heat right now from the community you (laughs) helped birth. But uh, I had Mark put out a a post on Reddit and it was an Ask Me Anything. And rather than the Reddit get all the content out of it, I decided to multi-purpose the AMA. So Mark has collected a bunch of questions from the community. He has now disassociated himself with <laughs> to ask you. This is the first time you've done and asked me anything for the Reddit community. We wanted to reward the fans that have been so supportive and have made Mark step away from his position as moderator. It's of the also Reddit. it's
0: also the first interview of any kind I have done since our new media venture and since stepping away from ESPN because of the specifics of wanting to speak directly to our fans however i am concerned by this recent hiccup of trouble that we have found that it is being moderated by an overly zealous moderator who uh, was horrified with what amin al-hassan did as i would be if i had known what it was that he did so he was applying my sensibilities but i amin doesn't Given the nature of what our relationship is with Amin right now, which is, okay, he's quit his job and he rides with us, but we don't know what he's doing and we don't know what we're paying him. He doesn't actually, you know, work for us. He's just come over and we give him a microphone every once in a while. I can't fire him because he doesn't technically have a job yet, and I can't give him real freedom if he's not free to actually do porn stuff. So why can't he just do what he wants to do over there and not have it stick, you know, bad phrasing to me?
1: Yeah, I was clutching my pearl necklace.
0: So anyways, here he is. He's sitting here, ready to ask questions, ready to have me talk directly to the audience. And what I'd like to turn this into before you ask any of your questions is an interview of you, because I really do want to understand what happened with this Reddit community. And they turned on you. You birthed this thing. It was beautiful. You built a Frankenstein monster. It cares about us. And then it turned on you. And not unlike... What's happened to the Republican Party with Trump in this America where they built this thing and then they're surprised it's a monster. How could you be so naive that you would think that you'd be able to moderate in a free America, Russia or anywhere else a comment section?
2: Oh, I got a flood of messages from people. Is mean hacked? What's going on with mean? So I check and I'm like, maybe because this seems really weird for someone associated with your show to be interacting with a pornographic video with his own pornographic gif. So after I kind of sent a message out, he essentially confirmed it. Hey, this is me. You know, are you offended? Hey,
0: I'm a porn guy. You didn't know I was eight years in disguise at ESPN, but I'm a porn guy. What's that noise in the background? What's happening there? What are are you banging up against? Is that me?
1: Yeah, that's you. Nervous energy as he's clutching his own pearl necklace. Well,
0: because I'm interviewing him now, I've really turned the tables on. Mark's having a rough time of it with the whole, you thought you were just going to come in here and moderate this too,
2: huh? Yeah, I was going to ask you about Greg Cody getting potatoes in his hair. Now I have to answer about the stupid... Twitter thing.
0: Yeah, I want to start there. I'll answer your questions, but I think people want to know. You've built a nice thing. Well, it's often not nice, but you've built a thing where people care, and we don't mind criticism. We understand that it comes with part of the game. As Look, we just don't want people to not care. So they do all sorts of bad things, but they care deeply. Mark, it's super weird the idea that people would care enough about this weird performance art, sports radio nonsense that we do for you to build a community and for that community to be vibrant, like it's going to come with some shit, but it's pretty damn cool. I don't know a whole lot of other sports radio shows that have fans that care like
2: that. I've been on like that Lauer After Hours podcast, for example, and they asked my opinion about ESPN and the show. And my thing was always, I don't think ESPN realizes what they have when there's a million podcasts and shows and you know, you stream anything you want in the world. But there's a pretty loyal fan base here that I don't ever think they really realize what they had. But do we want to talk about this porn thing or not? Let's you,
0: I want to we'll talk porn with you, yes. I want to, I think that the people who signed up for Mystery, Craig, because it's always a mystery. You never know what you're going to get. What you're yeah. going to get now is me interviewing the Reddit guy about why he doesn't like porn, what does the matter with porn, and what we should do about Amin al-Hassan, who we, should be fired. This is what hired. happened. They got,
2: they got twisted. So my feedback was, I'm not offended, Amin. I grew up on the internet. I, I was born in 1983. I, I, I lived at Jenny McCarthy in 1996. Let's find a blurry picture. It takes 10 minutes to load. I'm not offended. But I just thought probably not a great look for the Levitar community when they're searching for a home. I, the all likelihood of someone seeing a means tweet and then not wanting to work with you is probably one in a million. I understand that. But I just thought not a great look. Mark, I legitimately
0: appreciate that you would take that care. I appreciate that someone was telling Amin quit being a jackass. I'm not surprised at all that Amin would continue to be a jackass and then fight you and then get the internet comment section to side with him.
2: Sure. And then it kind of escalated where he kept retweeting my tweets and adding his commentary. Um, It kind of went back and forth. I said some things that weren't necessarily very kind, but then everyone thinks I'm part of the show and I'm. I have this giant head now and I think I'm on the show and I'm
0: like, (laughs) well, Mark, you may not have had a giant head before, even while you're being accused of it. But I think we can now give you the giant head because I am willing to announce here. And this is executive Mike Ryan. It's an executive Michael Ryan decision here. Mike, go ahead and announce to the entire community that we side with Mark, that you and me side with Mark. We want to protect Mark on this. We do not side with Amin on this. And therefore, we have an announcement to make.
1: Amin al-Hassan has been suspended for two weeks without pay. So two weeks, he will not get pay. Well, two weeks to several months until we find a That's home.
0: That's right. So it's an indefinite, right, because yeah. he's working for us for free. Yeah. He's a barnacle on the ship. We have no money. And we have no money. That's right. Uh, so, Mark, okay. thank I appreciate you. That. Thank you for your work. I appreciate that. Mike appreciates that. Now we will take whatever, host- whatever heats on you, uh, we will take that off of you. Let them be mad at me and Mike. So do you have anything else to say on this matter? I will also have a stern conversation with Amin that he will ignore later because, again, he doesn't work for us yet, and we're not paying him anything. So he's just out there. No,
2: I I understand the feedback of it's not my place. I don't speak for Dan. I don't speak for the show. Who do I think I am? I think the the general feedback, what people love to send me about 10 times a day is you run a stupid fan Twitter account. uh, You think you're really something, which I'm like, if anyone realizes how dumb this is, it's me and how dorky this is. So I'm well aware. Um, so I, I don't have much more to say other than it went a little bit too far. I'm just looking out for you guys. Should I be doing that or not? I don't know. We There's appreciate
0: it. We legitimate. We're giving you our first interview. Here it is right I, here. You're I know, getting I'm, the first cat. T-
2: take that scoops, but it's happened before. Here's a small example. Someone tweeted something before that had Allison's cell phone number on it. And I had to like scramble. I'm like, DMing Alice and other people in the show I'm like obviously she does not want this all No, out here, didn't so- they
0: also do something with Stugatz's personal address and what his home costs and stuff? Like yes, yes this is all kinds of Listen stuff to me, like Listen, Mark, the internet's gross, Mark. Have you, we've got an entire yeah. faction of Americans right now thundering it's very at-
2: gross. Have you seen a mean's feed? It's a disgusting place. It's all terrible. Right, all,
0: right. Fair all, enough. Right. <laughs> all right. So you've gotten the last word. We've suspended a mean. Now is that suspended from air or is that just suspended from pay?
2: Well, I mean- if if I can just ask, I want it suspended So, I have more airtime than him. So, then I can actually say, I have more airtime. You're getting it right now. You're
1: getting it. Amin hasn't been on. This is dropping on Friday. Amin hasn't contributed to our show this week. It may extend into next week, or we may account for time served. But either way, suspended two weeks without pay. Let's get into the AMA. All right,
0: let's go, Mark. What do you got?
2: All right, so there's a lot. I have have these uh, in categories. I'm going to start with the new adventure, I call this category. So, Metal Arc Media just came out, obviously. A bird that can sing while it flies, I learned according to this article. Did Rod McGill help name your company? I guess that's the first question I have.
0: He did not, actually. This is a John Skipper joint. I had some suggestions. They weren't as good as his. He has uh, poems. He likes literature. He liked the symbolism. Uh, It wasn't much of a pushback from me. I did want, in the name, I did want something Hispanic an easy word that English people wouldn't be scared by, but we couldn't figure out how to make that happen. And so metal arc media,
2: it was uh Mike makes right 82 ads. So as far as this new venture is concerned, what, what does success look like?
0: Just fun with our friends like laughter, a career all I'm, I'm not uh, interested in conquering the world. I'm interested in creating a safe environment for our family that could birth content and fruit and love and laughter and be around for a long time, whether I'm here or not. Just something stable and secure with where it is that we've arrived so that everyone can have a career with the freedom that we've been given. We've got an assassin on our side. He will create a business. That's not going to be my job. I've entrusted him with our family's future And he will handle his business assassin stuff and build us into whatever it is that we will become. But what we will become is a more vibrant version of ourselves, surrounding ourselves with more and more people who we love and creating more and more of a community where there's freedom to roam. Because we're going to get an amount of money in free agency that will allow us to build a profitable business in the hands of this man who is business savvy in a way that I am not.
2: So is the plan still find a partner for the podcast and whatever else is created? You, it depends the, the route to market with that. Is that uh, essentially the, the, plan? the
0: plan is he's uh, the first thing that he is doing is going to people now and saying, here's this thing. Do you want it? And from whatever data mining he has done with whatever team it is that he has assembled, he knows that there are a whole lot of people interested. There's not a lot more to say Than that right now, because there haven't been a great many conversations. We just know that over the next 30 days, when he is most ready to take on the size of these negotiations, he will have a number of different offers to entertain. It's why we could keep it afloat until we get there.
2: The mule man wants to know about mass events. So once we're no longer locked in our houses, is that going to continue? Are you going to expand other cities like there was talk before? like the New York event, is there anything you can say about that?
0: Yeah, we've got an infrastructure guy, and one of the first conversations that we had, and that we've got people thinking for us on this front, right? We've been a bare-bones operation for a long time. We've just sort of been inventing things along the way. There hasn't been a lot of – we've been – with great blessing, okay, ESPN left us alone. They let us do our thing in Miami, and there was a lot of freedom, and we were able to create these little – Businesses, the t shirt business. Again, I'm not an entrepreneur. These are kind of fake businesses, right? It's just shuffling money around so that the shipping container could get a little bit of extra money outside of the Disney corporate salary structure because I wasn't allowed to pay them directly. So we had a t shirt company and have a t shirt company that was meant to help there. And Moss Miami was just created to celebrate music, arts, and sports in Miami. It was my brother's idea more than mine. And we were just going to he loves art. I love sports and we love music and the music scene in Miami. We feel like is underrepresented. We got a lot of good music here. And so we thought we'd just create something so that Roy, for example, would be selling art at these Moss events and he would get a percentage of the art. And it wouldn't just be me giving money. It'd be a, a financial system. But I'm not somebody who knows how to run a business in any way. This is just money running through my accounts, just sort of trying to figure out how it is to do this in a way that's legal and morally and spiritually correct. And from there, there is actually something we've realized where, oh, wait, there can be a business there too. And now that can be run by other people who will send us to whatever creative places we need to go with sponsorships and buses and we can go around the country to some of the special places and actually do this in a way that is a really cool, fun, silly side project where we fly places and do things. So yeah, once things get back to normal, that business will be grown as well.
2: This is the awkward part of the category. So I had a ton of questions about Mark Hockman, probably more than anything. So I think the best way to handle this is he did an AMA himself on Reddit. So if I could just read two of his responses and you can just respond however you want. Sure. Is that cool? Yep. Here's what Hock said. So I can tell you that in 1997, when I got married, Dan was one of, my, one of my groomsmen. Now he's getting married. I'm not invited. So we're good, sarcastically, obviously. He says, Dan apparently says on the air all the time that, The reason he started the TV show was to protect himself because he thought Stu Gatz and I were planning to leave and do our own show. It's a made up story. The first time Stu Gatz and I ever did a radio show together was in May, 2012, highly questionable, debuted almost a year before that.
0: I don't think it serves anyone for me and Hawk to get in a pissing match back and forth on this. Our recollections of how that went are different. And that's all that I need to say about that he did a lot to help our show at a time our show needed help and i'll always be grateful for that
2: you the little puppet ass uh, a few years ago you claimed you were able to do the splits from all your training on the beach you then hurt your wrist you got out of ninja warrior because of that and you've never backed up your claim why are you hiding from this dan and when will you do the splits
0: Okay. Well, we need a television partner, don't we, to, in order to do the splits? I can do I can do my push up claim right here with you right now, and you can tell people whether or me. not whether or not I don't know that I can do a
1: split right now. You don't I need a been. television partner to put up an IG story, Dano. Okay, so maybe we'll
0: do that. Maybe that'll be the accompanying thing. Maybe after we're done here, you can link it all together, Mike, so that it is World content. com, And you can see if I can do 40 push-ups. I don't think I'm going to be able to do a split, but I'm going to have to come back on that one. I'm going to have to work with my trainer to see if I could get back to split territory, because I made that claim about six months ago, pre-pandemic, pre, uh, pre-weight pre gain during pandemic.
2: All right, I call this category the olden days. So you told a story once of uh, being in New Orleans with One Greg Cody, and he had mashed potatoes in his hair. Do you have any idea how that came to be? Was there room service, and he was passed out, and you guys did that to him? Is there any more you can share, or maybe just another Greg Cody drunken story?
0: It's an excellent question. I would say what I remember about that evening is that Greg Cody, at one point, there was some place that was called the dungeon or had dungeon qualities. Uh, What I remember specifically is Greg Cody being dragged out of that place by a friend of his named Tom and Greg Cody had both of his arms on Tom's back and was basically being sort of carried. Like you'd carry a piece of lumber up some stairs out of a dungeon. And later that evening, all of us ended up somehow in the same hotel room. And I don't know how it is in the morning He had mashed potatoes in his hair. I don't know if someone came in after that. I don't know why there were so many of us staying in one room. I think it's because it was hard to get rooms in the quarter, and Greg Cody is cheap. But uh, that's about all I can tell you about that. I don't know the specifics of whether maybe there was mashed potatoes. Maybe room service had been left there, and because we just threw him somewhere, his head ended up in some mashed potatoes. I can't say for sure. I could just tell you that he was carried out of the dungeon. Like someone would carry just a, a log over their right shoulder.
2: Excellent. That was from De Haas one, by the way, the infinite pet wants to know there's the famous rejoin of you saying, uh, the Don Strock show is next. Why would anyone want to listen to that or stay for that? And Stu gots replies way to promote buddy. Did that ever lead to any, uh, let's say, uh, pushback from maybe Mr. Strzok or uh, anyone else at the studio when you would do things like that?
0: They let me alone, I think. They spoiled me. I wouldn't take much of anything that we were doing seriously, and Stugatz wouldn't object to much of anything like that, even though he was in charge and technically authority, just because he he was happy to have me doing what I was doing with and for him, and so you have that sound, uh, Mike? Because you will hear the discomfort in Stugatz's voice here. Because this is what I want you to imagine. This is the very early stages of us doing this show together. Stugatz is technically the boss. He's the general manager. He's the one who put together the investors. He's the one who put together the entire thing. And here he is with sort of his loose cannon columnist guy who's not – really beholden to anyone or any of their radio rules but also not particularly caring whether I have upset Don Strock, a local community icon. I could spend the rest of my life and several other lives over the next hundred and ninety years searching, scouring all over the earth with an army of helpers for a single reason for you to listen to the Don Strzok show coming up and I would not return with a single one. The Don Strzok show up at seven o'clock from seven to eight. Defoe, that show I'd I'd listen to the Defoe show eight to nine, and after that we got UNC and What's the matter with you? And Duke. I'm just saying. I for the next I could spend the rest. I could spend if you gave me seven if you gave me several lives if you said it opened up a genie bottle and said uh-huh. here are hundreds and hundreds of years. All you have to do is come back <laughs> with a single reason to listen to the Don Strzok show. I said, I'm, I'm sorry. You're going to have to kill me right now.
2: Way to promote, buddy. You <laughs> listen to Defo, though, right?
0: Turn off the station. Go, you know, stick things in your eyes for the next hour. You know, go to sleep. Kill yourself. Oh, but come God. back at 8 o'clock. Resuscitate if, if- yourself. <laughs>
1: Glad you were saving like and Get somebody
0: to have heart paddles. I'm telling you right now that it would be better to die for the next hour and, and just have somebody resuscitate you, like in the abyss. When who was that? It was Ed Wood. Ed Wood.
3: Was Ed Wood. It? Yes.
0: Right. At the end of that, <laughs> you would come back like somebody kill yourself for an hour, hey, and yes. at the end, a screaming, angry, red-faced, spittle-spewing Ed Wood could be above you.
2: you saying, grab dinner and come back at eight,
0: I, and then he would he would just yell. Okay, now you can listen to the Defo. Listen to the Defo show. You, <laughs> <laughs> you're stronger than this. You.
1: So you were getting names wrong back then too.
0: That's amazing that was to listen back. Way worse
2: to. than I even remembered. Okay, you're, you're a terrible person. Okay, it's terrible to say.
0: All right, well let's uh, let's backtrack for a second and clean it all up here because the history of it is good. It is good to know that that's not an age thing, that I've been getting Ed Harris's name wrong. That one particularly, it really is brutal for me. I've been calling that guy the wrong name for 20 years. He's an accomplished actor, and I keep doing that, and I'm sorry about that. But going back to what it is that you were asking me, Mark, that I I find funniest about that, now re-listening to it, because I didn't realize where that comes from. Where that comes from is I was so pissed off at Stugatz whoring out every little thing on the radio station, and I didn't love that they sold a partnership to FIU football that forced them to have an hour of programming after us that involved the Don Strock show that was basically paid programming. So I lashed out at Stugatz, and that's how it came out, trying to make it funny. But that's what was happening there. I didn't like that there was a Don Strock show after us that was clearly paid programming, cheapening everything around us, but that's who I married.
2: That's excellent. I like that. Steak sauce, your friend, and also straight pipe seven nine two zero. Ask about your newspaper career. Is there a bot story, a correction of the issue? Basically, people want to know about your uh, a, a terrible experience when you were still writing. Apparently, that's a common question.
0: Okay, uh, there are a few of them, but the one that comes back most quickly was the time that I was writing something that was defending a player who had a bad performance. And the first seven paragraphs of the story were talking about some 9-for-38 game that Michael Jordan had in a big spot. And I read the internet wrong. He never had that game. It was a fake game. That This was... I don't know how long ago this was, but I just remember calling in a panic to the Miami Herald at 5. AM trying to get them to change because everything I had in terms of facts on the first seven paragraphs of the story were wrong because I was fooled by the internet about a Michael Jordan game that had never happened. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. Is that a less sexy
2: story than they'd want? It's fine. I think it's great. You're doing very well. All right. Chaos Theory 18 wants to know more about your trip with MJ to China.
0: Well, let's see here. One of the things that I remember is that one of the people who was going to be involved in this project with us, Metal Arc Media, one of my mentors, sent me out there as part of an effort to get me to expand my writing world. It wasn't even an assignment that I particularly wanted. I didn't want everything that it entailed going to China with Michael Jordan and having to write some sort of epic seismic piece. So... I did so pushed toward it a little reluctantly. And when I woke up next to uh, the Hong Kong Harbor, I thought that that was the height of my professional career, being there in that spot, getting to see the world with the person I was getting to see the world with, you know, climbing the Great Wall with Michael Jordan. And so this trip, which was pressurized because my mentor had sort of forced me to go on it at what was considerable expense. It was like four or five countries with Michael Jordan in seven days. And what I remember specifically, because I know you want details of partying with Michael. That's not what was happening there. I had some access to him. It wasn't great. It was a bit of the illusion of access. If you really look back on it, it's a little bit of a puff piece about Michael Jordan dealing with aging as the pinnacle and symbol for youth in this country. But the reason that I remember the details of the story was the sheer horror that came over me five or six hours before I had to be through customs and back on the airplane, turning my hotel room totally upside down because I'd misplaced all of my notes, all of my notes from the trip, all of the expense of the trip, everything had been misplaced. And now I have to go retrace my steps in wherever it is we were. I think it was Beijing in a country where I don't speak the language and I no longer have a translator and I've got to get to the airport and I just can't find where the story is. Right. Because I will not be able to remember all of the things that happened on the trip or all of the things that I wrote down. I will have wasted a trip on ESPN's dime. And so I had to go back through some market where nobody spoke the language. And some by some miracle, I ended up finding the notepad, none of which is interesting enough for the audience to be like a cool Michael Jordan story. But it's what I remember, just the chaos and the fear sweeping over me because I spent an hour and 15 minutes trying to retrace my steps with total horror because I couldn't find my notes.
2: We're going to go to a category called Dan's Favorites. So a lot of people want to know your, your favorite food, Cuban food, in the 305. I'm very white, so I'll say in, the, in Miami. I can't say 305.
0: I love bistempanizado. It's just not surprising to anyone. It's just breaded steak. But I haven't been able to have that in a very long time because even though nobody believes it, my diet is a handful of 30 or 40 things that I can have, ingredients, and bistempanizado is not on it. I'm eating according to my blood type now and have been for a long time. So that I can be healthy and pain-free. And so the favorite Cuban foods are out. Are they looking for a restaurant or they're just looking for the food itself?
2: I assume it's a restaurant.
0: God, it's been 10 years. Let's, let's make it Versailles uh, Favorite
2: uh, tequila. A lot of tequila questions.
0: I've been enjoying lately uh, a mezcal, illegal, joven. It has been very tasty. It has replaced recently my love of 1942, the tequila. All sipping tequilas, all clean tequilas, all tequilas that if you drink, there's not a whole lot of drunkenness involved. They're just really smooth.
2: Can you name uh, some of your favorite authors and books, whether recently or maybe as a kid?
0: I mean, I grew up around so much sports writing. I grew up around the Mitch albums and the Gary Smiths and the Tom Junos and these guys who were just the greatest of storytellers in the magazine forms. Like I, I had one vacation where I read, for example, because I I won't say I'm a voracious reader and I've certainly gotten away. My reading habits have changed in the last 10 years and that I'm just reading a whole bunch of information from the internet versus sitting down and writing books. Right now I'm reading a book by a Pixar executive called uh, Creative Ink, but I haven't read as much as I would like over the last 7 or 8 years. Uh so but when I remember what I remember about reading voraciously, it would have been all of the Dan Brown novels at once on a trip in France, where I, I, whatever they are, nine, where you could sort of see how it is that he arrives at Da Vinci Code and the errors that he made in all the previous books. When you read it that way, all of them at once, I just remember that being a fun ride, even though some of it involved, you know. A priest parachuting out of a helicopter, you know, with his jacket as the parachute, because the story fell apart right up until he got to his masterpiece, which was Da Vinci Code told
2: flawlessly. Everything you watched during lockdown?
0: Oh, man. My wife and I are only watching stuff that streams these days. So there are so many good shows that we enjoy. Dead to Me was great. Fleabag was great. Succession was great tiger king was a totally guilty pleasure there's just so much good content out there documentaries i've been binging documentaries where you just go through murder at middle street or the Patton oswald documentary or the amy schumer documentary on childbirth uh, which was very good very intimate on hbo max so it's been a lot of hbo max it's a lot of the stuff that i like Your Honor is very good on Showtime now, so that's a lot of answers, but it's a lot of good stuff I've been watching. The Reagan
2: one was good, too. You mentioned uh, he'd be a good guest for you, too. He was just on Conan, Uh, Ron Jr., so.
0: I asked to get on a few of the people who make these shows, uh, but we need to hire a guest booker because we are uh, just strings and wires right now.
2: Uh, Can you finally answer your favorite comedy duo? This was asked 55 times. Can you finally tell us?
0: I mean, it's Dan and Stugatz, no? Doesn't that get to be my favorite comedy duo? Or what I was trying to say? I don't think there was actually an answer to that. Was there an answer to that, Mike? Do you remember? What are the great unanswered questions in our show's history? Yeah. We we got to your text.
1: I know exactly what it was. It was something that my dad was texting me about.
0: (laughs) Did we ever get to your dad's text?
1: Yeah, I'm getting to it. All right.
0: Well, have we answered all of the jokes? Have all the jokes been? Did we? When I'm just shouting at the end of the longest stat of the day, or the long stat of the day intro, when I'm just shouting, my favorite color is black. Did we do all? Did in our last episode, were we able to do? We weren't able to finish Rick Springfield's call. Is he still on the line there somewhere?
1: Rick Springfield's still on hold. We can get his next favorite color if you'd like.
0: Yes, can we? Uh, yeah. Oh, that's good that we can. I don't check have the master list, him. so
1: I don't really know where we are, but.
0: But he's there. It's good to know that he's there. So, Rick, after Aqua, Aqua was on your list, or Turquoise, uh, I don't remember because I don't have the list here. And forgive me, Rick, for not remembering exactly how it is that your list went or where we were on your list. But I believe we were at number eight or number nine and we've got to update this as things go on here because rick springfield we have to do this before what we're doing right now is called the fill the end of his time uh, this is total fill mark you're
1: looking right now got a new computer as me slower.
0: stumble around i stumble around as mike tries to do radio within the mystery crate edit and i'm just clearly yammering trying to remember why it is rick springfield would still be on the line i could where. fix
1: all this in post but i'm kind of appreciating Dan fumble around this Good. particular stretch.
2: That's right. I like Jesse's girl. Jesse's girl is great. Who doesn't like Jesse's girl? I have a crappy Rick Springfield song. He was playing at a local casino in my hometown, my hometown has 7,000 people in Northern Michigan. And we saw Rick Springfield coming to town. We were playing wiffle ball all day. We have a wiffle ball with like a real green monster, like an elaborate field. And we told him that he should come do the national anthem. And I had a back and forth about 20 emails. He bailed last minute. We are going to have Rick Springfield sing our national anthem at her. Wiffle Ball Tournament. So if you could ask him why he didn't show up.
0: Well, I can't ask him that, but I can ask him his eighth favorite color.
2: Red, one of my favorites. Good
3: angry color.
0: Okay, very good. So I can't ask him or didn't want to ask him. I don't want to upset him. He's been on hold for a long time. Uh, But thank you, Mark, for bringing back that memory. I don't want to ask him any questions that will upset him, but I do want to ask him for another color. What is before red Rick Springfield?
3: olive because my dad was in the army so we had a lot of olive cars trucks it's
1: talkative today
0: okay do we have something before olive like i'd i'd love to go through just the rest of the list and have the mystery crate right have in the middle the answer to the questions uh that you've been waiting for is a big surprise in the middle of a mystery crate reddit with a guy who no longer runs our reddit i would love to just give away the rest of the rick springfield
3: colors turquoise
2: again because it's a great color
1: Man, he's done turquoise five times. It's not right.
2: Next question. Did you or did you not fist pump at the Udonis has on gunk?
0: I did. I did. It can now be told. Uh, it was a very small fist pump. I didn't think anyone saw it. It was sort of hidden around my pocket. It's not something that should be seen, but my objectivity was a bit of a lie that night.
2: That was from Sunny Brainstorm, by the way. Shocking. Um, That's
0: a shocking admission right there. You really got to the the you really got to the meat of this interview
1: you kept attacking sugats and I because we both saw it and you called us liars you owe both of us an apology you want to call him now you, you want... called into account our integrity you want to call you made him? us feel like we didn't actually see what we saw <laughs> I did uh, yeah I'm not happy with your I'm, answer I'm, I'm, I'm sh- not satisfied in fact I'm ashamed I am shocked that I have
0: made that admission that the years have uh, allowed me after all of these years to admit that, yes,
1: yes.
2: I left ESPN for you.
1: I know. It's, it's totally fair. You left
0: ESPN for a liar.
2: User enclased Splinter. They want to know about your, um, when you're the most eligible bachelor article, how that came to be. And did it have any success for you in the dating scene where you were squatting on a pool table weirdly and you are an avid river rafter for some reason?
0: It's such a good story, all of that, because that is the most popular I've ever been with women. I am not someone who grew up in a space. I went to an all boys high school. I went to college. I did not know what I was doing. I was not someone who had a great deal of success ever with women. Or relationships that would be meaningful. I was busy working the entire time. And then I think the way that it came to be is that they were just sort of searching for single people, I guess in their late 20s largely, and looking and talking to other reporters and stuff. And Scott Price's wife, he worked at the Miami Herald and later at Sports Illustrated. She worked at People Magazine. I guess she submitted me. I had to go through a rigorous screening process of like three or four interviews. And I don't know how they pared it down after that, but I made the list of a hundred eligible bachelors. And then I was squatting on my pool table. They wanted pictures of me coming out of a jacuzzi and my shower. I refused. So the dignity that I was willing to give them was the squatting on the pool table. And after that I was more popular. And so people would just reach out. I was sort of on a radio show. I think it was Paul Castronova's radio show where they were Auctioning me off, and my choices, sight unseen, were I believe a doctor from Harvard and a bikini model. And I, among many choices, and I had to choose both because I couldn't be the guy who just chose the bikini model. Like, I I couldn't be offered both of those choices, sight unseen, and go out with both of those women. Or Real just Sophie's one of choice, those, there, yeah. Dan. I'm very sorry. <laughs> a, a, for a, a, you. Very, a Sophie's choice publicly. Yes. And so. That was uh that was a lot of fun a long time ago and f- and fairly ridiculous and people should mock me for all of it. I deserve whatever mockery comes from
2: that. Where did Avid River Rafter even come from? Cuz I don't even know how you make how that even get wires crossed there.
0: I had just gone to Costa Rica with my brother and we had gone river rafting. I still have in the office of my home, I still have a, a painting or not a painting, a picture of this Avid River Rafter going down a river outside of the raft, and you can clearly see I'm wearing high tops in the water. Like, I'm wearing sneakers that are high tops in the water, and so I am not an avid river rafter. I did not tell them I was an avid river rafter. I just told them I had come back from river rafting with my brother, and they made me. Fake news. They made me an avid river rafter. I did not tell anyone I was an avid river rafter.
2: You've been lied by the media for, for decades now. They've That's been lying right. About I'm
0: glad I get this opportunity to correct it right here.
2: User Pop the Trunk uh, wants to know about Matthew Barry and the whole Tim Kirchin him being angry at Tim Kirchin for laughing at the looks like game. Have you ever talked to Matthew Barry since this happened?
1: I know this is Dan's AMA, but I was actually DMing with Matthew Barry a couple of weeks ago where he's like, hey, that got blown way out of proportion. I was learning about it through secondhand. He actually loves the show. Matthew Berry feels terrible that there was this miscommunication that he went uh, supposedly to some people saying, hey, why are they calling me a clown? He didn't have the appropriate context and has been desperately trying to make it back to the show to show all our listeners that he's a good sport. He's actually a big supporter of ours, and I had that wrong.
2: Let's see here. Valerie does she get the show does she enjoy the show
0: one of the first things Valerie said to me that's as scared as I've ever been asking Valerie out was the the most scared that I have ever been but the reason I had the confidence to do it is because she had said I like your show very early on and so that was a place that was very flattering to me because yes she gets every part of what it is that we do she's uproariously amused by how silly it all is, bemused by how silly it all is. But she does like that we were a sports show that made fun of a sports show and not really a sports show and just kind of a sports show.
2: Okay, I have a bunch of like show-specific questions I'll try to get through quickly here. So this is kind of a long question, but I'll try to summarize it. But basically, user W Shep is a white guy who grew up in a conservative household, didn't like your show when when he first started listening, which is a common theme. Um, but really appreciates kind of the different people you bring on. And now he's been able to kind of open his worldview a little bit. So I don't think early on, you thought this is going to be a outcome of your show that you're going to be expanding worldviews of white people throughout the Midwest. But uh, is that something you're proud of now? And something you see that you're doing moving forward? Or how do you guys, how do you answer or respond to someone when someone says that?
0: It's hugely flattering on the list of compliments that we get that are meaningful, right? Because a lot of conversations that I have in public are just somebody wants to talk to me about sports or liking the show because they've seen my face on television in a bar somewhere for 10 years and it doesn't really conjure connection. It's just empty, superficial Fame, But that's one of a handful of compliments that I get, that we get, that make me enormously proud of doing something with the platform. Because if you can change a few minds or open a few minds or have some people think differently, we were empowered at ESPN to empower minorities. We were empowered to have our voices heard. We were turned into a political organization just because we had minorities empowering minorities. That's what the objection was. I will not back away from the idea that the people who objected to us as a political organization at ESPN were objecting to the fact that minorities had a voice. And so much like all of us, I'm assuming whether you disagree with Bomani Jones or not on the subjects that we've tackled on this show, I've got to think that many of you have had your opinions altered by the passion and reach and perspective and experience and Way he articulates those things in a way that reach people or John Amici or anyone else or Izzy or Sarah and Mina and Katie. We've just been able to give voices to people who largely have not in this space, in the sports space, had credible voices. And I don't have a lot of greater prides than that. There isn't something a lot nicer or more discerning that you can say about what we do than that.
2: User... Ron Ma Billy Gill. Name a thing Chris has done as your personal assistant. Has there been anything?
0: No, there hasn't been anything. <laughs> like there hasn't been a single thing. Not a phone call made, not anything. There is he he would be really bad at it if, if he was my personal assistant. I still don't have a personal assistant. I miss being able to call Allison and just have things get fixed. Maybe in our new venture, I will be able to get a per a real personal assistant instead of Chris Cody as Personal assistant is exactly what you would imagine whatever the dumbest of the Chris Farley characters being a personal assistant would be. I
2: can't name a worst personal assistant. No, it I just it's beautiful. It
0: really is beautiful. The whole idea of how all of that happened, where Chris Cody is my personal assistant and just in every way, visually, I cannot have that person representing me as a personal <laughs> assistant. Just, just visually, never mind anything else. Like that is, Does Chris Cody's body and look, Mike, give off to you in any way and get anyone's personal assistant?
1: No, not whatsoever. When you first came out and said, I've made him his personal assistant, I just thought you were doing some... Some theater of the mind stuff just so we can pack channel him into back on the air on the radio show. I mean that's basically what we did. They ba- essentially what we did, yeah. <laughs> we just used the Allison precedent and said, Hey, Allison was on the air.
2: How did you meet uh, Ron McGill, and I guess, how did you become such close friends? This is from user ColtStrong13.
0: Ron McGill, like a lot of my friendships, and this is something that is a recurring theme around here, is you see and friends getting billed out, and you see that what we're doing is creating a family environment. Many of the relationships start right here on the radio. I believe that Ron McGill, we called him for something, and we're immediately like, holy shit, like some argument we were having about animals where we called him and were are like this guy is amazing at radio this i don't know how long ago I this booked, was
1: i booked ron because i knew he'd be awesome because i heard him on paul and young ron uh, paul Chernovo, by the way you
0: didn't see him on i um, heard i saw i on remember sabado from, gigante? i
1: was good to get there yeah i also watched sabado gigante as well so i knew ron was a showman and this was around the time that there was a story about this uh I believe it was a chimpanzee that ripped its owner's face off so we wanted an expert and i actually had a fight for Ron McGill, as I remember it, because we were shooting, like, real high. I remember, like, let's get Jack Hanna. And I'm like, no, trust me, Ron McGill's going to be awesome. And then Ron McGill had one segment. I'd love to go back and listen to that first segment. Maybe I, I can find it somewhere. And Dan immediately said, we have to have this guy on every week. I'm like, I that's the guy that I watched at Sabado Agante. I know it. And then a friendship was born from that.
0: And he's the sweetest man. Like, underneath all of that, he really cares about animals I would, I would cite Ron McGill as in my inner circle now because I love what that guy is about in every way. He's a really good man, and he is a modern-day Tarzan. Like, going to the zoo with him and seeing his interactions with the animals and how they respond to him, whether it's food-related or not, seeing the way that, that that man can talk to the animals. Like, elephants come over to him. It's, it's like living in a cartoon world seeing him at that zoo and his relationship with those animals. It's why our greatest charitable cause has been what he does because I know how he cares. I know that those relationships are real. I've seen it.
2: It's my favorite segment. I mean, he's just incredible. It's every week. It's, it's amazing. He's just, he's the best user true Wally 22. There's been some amazing songs over the years, show songs. I think this year with Andrew Streeter, Yeti and, and Fleming M are, The best year of song you've ever had. But is there a song that sticks out in particular that is your favorite?
0: Well, those guys have elevated the form in the way that they care because they bring it very strong musically, cleverly, funny. I don't think there's been a better assemblage of people who can make legitimately good music that is funny and clever than that group. But my favorite always will be the fake Pavarotti, at least in part because I remember it nostalgically, because it was so ridiculous, because his voice was so good, because he was a legitimate opera guy, because his lyrics were also funny. Although Mike has told me that some of the stuff doesn't hold up in the modern age, that there's some questionable things in there. But Mike, maybe you can bleep it out and just play... Just play the Trent Green song for those, because there are a whole lot no, of- fl- No,
1: no, that's a bad choice. I'm not doing that one. Not the Trent Green one.
0: That's. I think it's his best work. No. I think Trent Green is his best work. No, it, you, why that. don't you just bleep it out? Bleep no. out the parts that are, that are dangerous. Stop doing
2: It's that. quite the pirate ship over here. Yeah. No,
1: stop
0: doing well, that. Well, Corporate Michael is always lurking in the shadows
1: somewhere. Just bleep out a song. Okay, here we go.
3: Trench, we finally have a quarterback who can throw the ball far down the field. Our offensive line will have you saying that it's not easy being green. Oh, your brain has wiggle, waggle, wiggled inside your skull. And once you lost your job to a bag boy, a grocery clerk, religious freak, but you're not a cripple cavorting with whores out on a lake, or named after citrus that puckers up your face. We need your arm, we need your leg, we need your screwed up noggin too. The dolphins need a miracle since they been screwed the pooch. Friends, we love you, but that's not all you see. Our head coach, he of your family can't let you and you look God a pigskin orgy it will be come aboard and lead our blessed band to the victory uh, Mark let's
0: talk about this with corporate Michael because there's a Culpepper joke in there a cripple cavorting with whores out on a lake that summons the Viking scandal on a sex boat there's Cleo Lemon the citrus that puckers up your face uh, I understand that the brain joke is something that is objectionable to Mike Ryan. I still think that comes pretty close to holding up and doesn't require a whole lot of bleeping out. Am I wrong, Mark?
2: Well, you're asking me. I thought you were asking corporate Michael. Well, you know my sensibilities. I want everything bleeped. I don't want any filth, no swearing, no nudity, no pornography, nothing. So uh, I'm actually shocked you'd even play that song in front of me. And I'm quite frankly, I'm thinking about ending this early.
1: You're my brother.
2: You're my brother, brother. <laughs> So someone asked a question, Uncle Fatty Lebetard was the person's username. Uh, I want to know about first impressions with the shipping container guys, and that's a lot to list off, but I guess I'll kind of change the question to, I think you have really talented people in the shipping container. And when I asked them, like I asked Billy on Lower After Hours, how would you become to be on the show? He was just an intern, right? He wasn't, you didn't search for talented people, and you found this awkward, funny guy, Billy Gill. So is it just random luck? These people are immensely talented.
0: I would say that in our environment, people have been groomed and taught to work a different way. And so the way that Billy, for example, learned all the things about the show that he needed to learn is just being in the middle of it for 10 years as Mike Ryan's hand-picked right-hand man. Like I just asked Mike Ryan many years ago, who's the guy you need in order to do this job best? And he picked, Billy Mike has a very good eye in general for talented people in this business. And so that wasn't much of a conversation beyond that. Roy was just around the show. Chris is funny. Chris and his family are funny. The Cody's are funny. They know how to be funny. And so we've just groomed from within that and he's learned and he's had freedom. And so they learned the job Man, we had a tough meeting. I don't know, five years ago, four years ago on the top of the Clevelander hotel at the height of our dreams, because these guys didn't have any idea how to actually produce a radio show. All they'd learned how to do was sort of be in the mix here and do a radio show. But the producing of it wasn't something that they understood, and they've learned that since, too. So I guess we've all sort of learned on this job going back 20 years. All of us have, because Mike didn't know how talented he was when he started. He just interned in this environment and learned. Like, he, he was talented. He had, you know, child star dreams and all of that stuff. But just doing it every day and the reps of it, I'm guessing... That a whole lot of people would get good at all of this stuff. Me included. A whole lot of people sitting in all of these seats, if allowed to flourish in a creative environment for 20 years, the same creative environment where you get to take chances, where you get inspired, where you get pushed, where you get challenged, where you get new people, where you demand to evolve. I'm guessing that all of us from within that space, I'm guessing I'm better at this by a hell of a lot than I was. 15 years ago. I'm also worse in some ways because I'm just older and don't have the stamina and haven't kept up with some of the things that I need to keep up with because it's just hard keeping up as fast as things move nowadays. But I would say all of us have improved in that environment. It's the environment that's responsible for us more than anything. I don't think anybody here would disagree with that. It's uh, The environment is responsible for all the good and all the bad.
2: Kind of related, but uh, user Tristan1600, was there a moment where you – knew the show was special. Is there one moment that sticks out where you left that day and you knew you had something great?
0: Well, the first six months or so didn't feel like that. The first six months when Stugatz was driving the car and I was in the passenger seat and it was just Stugatz's Sensibilities interviewing me, I think we both knew the show wasn't any good after that, but Boog Shambi was insistent in my ear that we couldn't do it that way, that I I needed to learn how to drive the show. And so once we started doing that for a while... And we started spending a lot of times in our afternoons laughing. I realized, I'll tell you where I realized that the show was special. I wasn't looking at the clocks anymore, wondering when the show was ending. It's not something that I was interested in having end. In our happiest times at ESPN, I would say that it was like that as well. Toward the end, it didn't feel like uh, so much like that.
2: Is there an awkward moment throughout the years that sticks out, one in particular, or is it just Hardaway? away? <laughs>
0: I mean, the Hardaway moment is the only moment I've had when I wanted to throw up in a parking lot afterward. Uh, The Diamond Dallas Page moment is something that just caught me totally off guard because I was not expecting Diamond Dallas Page to arrive uh, 0 to 100 and F.U. on air that fast when he's all about positivity and all about yoga, and I made him insane. But any number of people hanging up on us, Joan Rivers, the late Joan Rivers hanging up on us, all the hang-ups have been a surprise to me. I've never expected, I have never thought, and this is a tribute to my lack of self-awareness, I have never thought any of those hangups were going to end up in hangups. I have never been prodding someone to get them to hang up on our show for entertainment value. Those are always a mistake. They're always super awkward, but we don't mind sinking into super awkward. I don't think we had a more awkward moment at ESPN than Stugatz not knowing that Jonathan Coachman was black. I don't believe that anyone will yeah. be able to top that in terms of awkwardness. Mike right now is is chasing down all of these sounds one after another. Maybe he'll play them between uh, between questions here. Let's finish with a fireworks flourish where he's fi- finding the coachman sound, finding some of the hang-ups, and just firing really them I really
1: appreciate off. you throwing more out there as I'm searching. Who, who tried
0: to rip whose no. eyes out there? Somebody tried to rip somebody's oh. eyes out there. You can't
1: rip me up, dude. Are you
0: did you oh. tear, Did you try to tear oh, out talking his talking eyes or did he try? Yo, Monkey. Who the hell do you think you're talking to? He tried to tear I out said, your eyes! Monkey, who the hell do you think you're talking to? I'm positively Paige! Do you think I'm gonna flame your garbage so <laughs> you can
3: see <scream? laughs>
0: Right?
1: here. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh
0: Oh He went from, you can't rile me up, three seconds in, calls me monkey after that, six seconds in, calls me monkey, and then 10 seconds after that, FU's all over the place.
2: so weird that you think wrestlers would be more stable.
0: Well, I thought Uh he was in on the joke. I thought he was in on the performance. (laughs) It wouldn't
1: have happened if I were here. Dan, yeah, Dan never knows. Whoa, why would this person hang up? Dan can't really read a room all that well for as talented as he is. You could see that one coming as I was mortified driving back from a WrestleMania listening to that on the air. Jesus. Here's Joan Rivers hanging up on you.
3: Are you Jewish?
1: I am not. I then am.
3: Shut yeah. up. Then you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> can we get any clearer no you're and very... shut
0: up. you don't know what you're talking about but it's very strong it's all i'm saying i want
3: to
0: <laughs> she had i think she had compared doyle brunson the poker player to hitler i think that's where that started and i thought it was a little strong
2: you can't hang up a phone anymore so all the new ones they lose the Lose the ending. It's not, it's not the
1: same. Here's the Coachman apology.
0: Stugatz, you should probably apologize here. We should apologize uh, for what happened last segment. It went off the rails on us. What do you want to say?
2: I will apologize. You don't need to apologize for anything. I need to apologize. They are my weekend observations. I said what I said. I had no idea. And I apologize to Jonathan Coachman, who has tweeted at us, and he's upset and has every right to be upset. I honestly, and anyone who knows me will will understand this and believe this. I honestly, until <laughs> after the segment ended and we went to commercial break, had no idea that Jonathan Coachman was black.
0: I was legitimately scared after that segment. I was legit I put the fear of God. The reason that Stugatz's apology is as contrite and non-Stugatz as it is there is because as the leader of this place, I put him in fear because I myself was afraid, because I didn't actually know. The level of the
1: transgression, Mike. I did not know. Whether... I honestly, and anyone that knows me would understand how this could happen. Did not know the level of the transgression.
2: <laughs> What's the most unexpected friendship you've made because of the show? This is from this guy six nine six nine.
0: Nice. Unexpected friendships. I would say that friendships with Adam McKay and Michael Schur have been and Hank Azaria, for that matter, in terms of people I respect and admire, their creative work, and they gravitated toward us. As a lot of people in Hollywood who are super talented have gravitated toward us because they appreciate the spirit, they really don't understand how this thing was allowed to exist inside of the corporate machine for a long time, and they made their way over here in a way that was... uh, Hugely flattering and awe-inspiring and inspirational and just crazy to me. I got to imagine, Mike, do you have a better answer than that in terms of like people yeah. who flatter us by just liking what we do?
1: I think Super Dave Osborne, rest in peace Bob Einstein, becoming a friend of the show, was really wild. Alan the, Thick. Alan Thick, I was legitimately hurt when he passed away. He was our reigning celebrity prognosticator at a time. That I really enjoyed our back and forth, and that one made me sad. I went to Ric Flair's 70th birthday. Ric Flair became a legitimate friend of mine. Mean Gene Okerlund? Yeah, rest in peace also. Yeah, the, there have been a lot of great, weird, wonderful, wacky friends that we've made along the way that have gravitated towards the stuff that we do.
2: I got a lot of requests for this one as well. What did your lowest place look like, and how bad was it?
0: My lowest place? Wow. It was recently. I don't know how comfortable I am talking about some of this stuff, even though the grief eater likes to ask
2: others about this stuff. Well, there was there was a lot of questions about the absence as well. Well,
0: After, it was during it was during the absence. It was during those well, six much weeks talk about it, happiest that. time in my life and also just difficult because. There was uh, just family stuff that I had to tend to that isn't, it wouldn't be kind or polite for me to talk about. It was just hard. And so it was weird to have my hardest time coincide with returning from my honeymoon, which was the greatest time. And, you know, was wrapped up in me trying to get back on the air, but there being just an assortment of issues that I'll talk about someday that. That don't need revisiting here just because it's not it's not fair to the people involved.
1: Sugat so set a podcast record at the time for
0: most downloads that month that you were gone. How did that happen? You guys, I remember coming back from that trip and having several people at ESPN sort of tell me that it felt a little bit like a power cable that didn't that was uh, unloosed. I don't know, even know how to describe it. Just sort of an electrical power cable flopping back and forth that Stugatz didn't have, have much control over what was happening and that people were tuning in because it
1: seemed like it was all going to fall apart. Stugatz had it figured out. His usage rate didn't go up while you were gone. He just outsourced the Dan usage rate. So it was more me and I annoyed a lot of people. But what happened is, and this is a dirty little secret about podcast numbers, is Just every month, more people gravitate towards the technology because listening in a car to an AM frequency is kind of a thing of the past now. So that's how it happens. So month over month, you're going to have bigger numbers usually. Now, there are times that you either remain flat, maybe have a dip, given what's going on in the world. But podcast numbers are sort of, there's like this big gold rush now. Because... As there's
0: a migration. Wait a minute. You're telling me that we have value because of the migration of people to podcasts that makes it seem like we're growing at an alarming rate? That's exactly what I'm saying. This is a good time for that to be so, right? Growing well, every month. Of the
1: pandemic part. Right. There's that. Affecting global economics but outside of that not affecting our economics i presently signed up to cobra dan so
2: it is a, a means bit. not
1: making any money <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> wait a minute i'll end it here with probably the toughest question and what i got it, got, it had the most upvotes on on red as well so this is by 00275 what's in your popcorn
0: oh wow I don't think
1: it's an ask me thing. anything. It's not necessarily an answer everything, but you have to give the people something.
0: I've yeah. got to give the people something. So it begins. Okay. In a casuela, I will give you something, but I cannot give you all of it. I am sorry, but maybe over time, maybe this will be the new thing that we string out where I give you a handful of ingredients over time. And you have to be listening all the time in order to get all of the ingredients. But it begins in a cazuela with either if you don't know what a cazuela is it has to specifically be something old from your grandmother's life that doesn't get sold now this is a this is a thing from the 1950s that has been in my family for 70 years so I don't know if the cazuela is actually responsible for how good it tastes but it is put on a stove and it is with a base of either depending on who I'm making it for either Olive oil or coconut oil. And you start there, and then you get going. That by itself is going to be delicious. Both of those things are going to make your popcorn taste delicious just by themselves. And then there are a couple of other ingredients that make it world famous. There are a couple of others. Love they are, being they, one They of are them. not common. It's not always made with love. Sometimes I made it, make it with rabid, rabid hate because someone, again, is gnawing on my ankles because they want to eat it. But there has not been a person— Not a person in the world that when I give them that popcorn, promising that it is Dan's world famous popcorn and it will be the best popcorn they've ever eaten. There's not a person in the world who has come away from that experience and said I was wrong. Because the other day my trainer was coming into the house as the acupuncturist was leaving and the acupuncturist had popcorn. And the trainer looked at her when she left the elevator with fury and rage because someone else got popcorn instead of him that ended awkwardly with the uh with everyone I, wondering. I, I Wait know, a minute! During a pandemic, a Dan has a trainer end, and a, and an acupuncturist. <laughs> Dan has a trainer. You are and, something else. This and a, is and, and, and an acupuncturist. I'm wearing a mask the entire time. Yeah, I mentioned
1: I'm on Cobra. Did you hear that? Everyone is six feet away from me the entire time. I'm, I'm also Mike's on being, Cobra. I'm rationing gas.
2: I have Mike's acupun- paying three thousand a month for health care, and you you have a trainer come into your. I had to. T- I had to
1: tell my wife she couldn't go to the dentist this month. And you have an acupuncturist.
2: <laughs> in all seriousness, it, it, the show is very special to to me personally and to a lot of people. So two three hours a day that either makes your time go faster, right? if you if you have a drive, sitting in a car, that's it's a big deal, right? It's not it's it's not something little that makes bad parts of your life better. Whether you're sitting behind a desk, commute, you name it vacuuming, I don't know, everything. So, and have something to look forward to every day that you know it's going to make you laugh. It's it's no small thing. So I just want to thank you guys on behalf of all these idiots from the Reddit that now hate me and want nothing to do with me. But we do appreciate it and wish you all the best moving forward.
0: Well, I want them to know, Mark, and I want you to know as uh, the curator for this stuff, that it is not lost on us, the connection that you're talking about in terms of real world relationships that are intimate that allow us to exist as friends inside your head. We have the following that we have, an unusually sticky following. Sorry to bring up a mean again. An unusually sticky <coughs> following that we have with for a sports radio show. And the reason for that, I believe, Mark, is that on those drives Or if you're in a job that you do not like where you're spending eight hours a day doing something that's mundane and we allow you to get through three of them a little bit easier. Or if you have to grind through some exercise you don't want to do, but you're someone who likes to run for 90 minutes. If we're able to make you somehow feel less lonely during lonely times, we understand and value and appreciate the connection of that. The ability to go with you into those intimate spaces where you can retain your privacy but we're with you. That's the connection that it's not just laughter. It's not just love. It's not just family. The connection is that you guys listen to this in a way that's really unusual in the modern streaming world. I told you that I said this on the air the other day. I don't remember whether it was on highly questionable or on the radio, but Mina was saying I, and Mina's got a capacity to, she's got some bandwidth. All right. So Mina absorbs a great deal of stuff. That brain absorbs a lot of stimuli and a lot of stuff. And she doesn't understand even as part of our world, how it is that anyone can consume three hours of us a day that we're putting out too much for it to remain something that people can listen to that much. But it's because of that, Mark, I believe more than any other, Mike, do you have a better articulation for me about that connection spot than the idea when we get the compliment about bringing people through a dark time or whatever, it's bringing you through some lonely spaces, which isn't to say that anyone listening to this is necessarily lonely, but when you're working a job you don't like and half of the day we can get you through it because of the misery of anyone working a job they don't like. And many people, the grand majority of people work jobs they don't like. They don't get to experience
1: what we do, which is a job we like. I think even during the pandemic, we benefited from that. It was a highlight of my day during the pandemic. Those were some sad times. It was a mental health Uh, epidemic as much as it was a global pandemic right a lot of people were coming to grips with being isolated and not being able to see loved ones and it was the highlight of my day and i absolutely see the merit in it because of the pandemic we were hearing that feedback a lot we were there for a lot of people and it's what i'm proudest of and it's been that op- and the Gronk family feud. <laughs> Do you have that? You no. Have- no <laughs> God, no. One day we'll take you behind the bit on Mystery Great.
0: <laughs> that was the that was go. that that was the height of unhappiness with our show where yeah. Mike was taking a swing at a time we were not confident and relaxed. I was not confident. We'll
1: also go behind the bit over Dan's breakup that uh, played itself out over a national audience and had us... Interviewing a therapist and a marriage counselor because... And my dog died. And my dog died. Yeah, because of uh, stuff that was going on in Dan's personal life and all the change there. Wow, you didn't even ask that question and we gave you the goods.
2: I kind of did. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Mark, thank you so much so, for everything that you did and, and uh, bringing up that community, too, because you're a big part of growing this show, even though you've stepped away from the Yeah, role.
0: don't give up on that, Mark. Like, if there's a way to lure you back in there without them being, you know, so cruel that it hurts, you do get numb to it after a while, Mike can tell you.
2: Well, I, I can still do everything in my capacity. I still run the main Twitter account, so it's just not being the main person at the actual place. Again, Uh, this is all very dorky and it's embarrassing.
0: No, don't be embarrassed. We
1: appreciate it. That's going to do it for us this week on Mystery Crate. Next week is a bit of a mystery, but some of you may be missing Billy Gill and his contributions to the Mystery Crate. I can tell you, Billy, Chris, and Roy got something in the hopper for our fan base, so make sure you subscribe to this podcast right here, Mystery Crate, part of the Levitard and Friends Network. We'll be back at you next week.